Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Emerald Campus Podcast. This week, we continue our message series over fatherhood with part three, Characteristics of a Healthy Man. For more information, please visit our website at harvestchristianfellowship.org. And we hope you had a great Father's Day. As we jump in this morning, you know, after last week's message, if you, have, if you haven't listened to last week's message, Go online, Harvest Christian Fellowship, go into the Amarillo campus and pull up last week's message because there's a lot of stuff that I unpacked and, and it's really culturally unsavvy, all right? But it also explains where we are and who we are today. Am I on? Is this? Yeah, we're good. Y'all can hear me? All right, maybe it's just my hearing. You know, and then I kind of mentioned something last week. I talked about Duluth and Duluth's commercial about bare naked underwear. Right, so if nothing else, you can go and just listen to it for that. But there's a lot of gospel in that, and I told you that that's what I wanted to get all the men for Father's Day, but we found out they were $25 a pair. So this morning, after first service, no joke, a couple came up and said, Curtis, we couldn't afford to get you those underwear, but we did get you these. And so there are notepads. Well, anyway, we've we got to get to the gospel somewhere in this. But I, I'm just saying, men, you, you carry the gospel, the seed of the gospel. We talked about you are the seed carrier for your family. You're the seed carrier for the church that, that you are to have seed. It's not that I understand the parable of the sower. And I understand that God is the sower of all seed. But he also created mankind. He created man. He created male and female for his purpose. When we are no longer gender defenders, we will lose our purpose in this life. If you were created a male, that means you were created a man to be a man. Period. If you were created female, that means that you were created to be a woman. That's it. There's nothing in between. And you can go back and you can read and you can study and you can do whatever. But I'm, I'm telling you, here's why. Because God knew you before you were knit in the womb and he made you. He created you for his purpose. And that's a greater purpose than your own. So go back and listen to that last week. I gave some statistics that dads today are almost twice as likely to prefer a daughter than a son. That's scary because they see this as a women's world that we live in today. Even moms-to-be, they are 24% more likely to prefer their firstborn child to be a daughter. If you want to know where those statistics come from, they come from a very thick, big book known as the, boys, the Boy Crisis. A lot of research done out of that. God is a gender defender. Like I said, when you defend your gender, you defend God's purpose in your life. If Satan had a strategy, I said this last week, he would go after the seed carrier. Remember, men, I told you that your garden is basically when you get married, because the scripture says it's not good for man to be alone. When we're alone, we get in trouble, right? When we're alone, uh uh-oh. But God created woman for man and man for woman. And so as he did this, as he created the two and the two come together, he gives them a command to be fruitful and multiply. A woman, I I gave you a biology lesson last week and talked about the uterus and some other things. You can go unpack that if you want to, but I said it really looks like a potted plant. It looks like a garden and a man has a responsibility to the garden. Adam was not created out of the garden. Only the woman was created out of the garden. The scripture says that Adam was brought into the garden to cultivate and keep it. Cultivate to keep it pure. 
to keep it enriched, to enrich the soil, all the things that it needs to do, and then to, to keep, actually from the Hebrew, that means to protect the garden. So the greatest sin in the garden wasn't the bite of the forbidden fruit, it's what the man forbade to do. You know what that was? He became complacent. At some point in time, a serpent entered into the garden and the man didn't see it. He's the one that was told to cultivate and keep it. I even talked about women going to war and women on the front lines. Go back and listen to all that because I don't believe that that was what they're created for. The man is the protector, the keeper of the garden, and watch the pollinator thereof. If a garden is not pollinated, it will not reproduce anything. It won't happen. The man carries the seed, and in saying that, William Farrell, the author of the book that I just stated, the boy, the boy crisis, he said, boys today have sperm counts less than half of what their grandfathers had at the same age. In the U.S., it continues to drop 1.5% each year. If Satan had a strategy, he would take the seed carrier out. Then there would be no reproduction. Today, these common thoughts and false truths have convoluted the gospel in our culture. God wants us to be set free. He wants us to have healthy lives. Men, he wants you to grow up and be a man. Women, he wants you to grow up and be a woman. Healthy families, healthy church, healthy environment, healthy culture, to go out and influence the culture. See, the family is the basic unit for the church. This is why Satan hates fatherhood. If he can attack it, he will. If he can help boys to never mature and become men, he'll do that very thing. If he can convince you that man is the problem with America today. I read an article here a while back that had a picture. I showed you the picture last week of a boy who's standing there at the women's march and his mother had put a sign on him. He's probably 10 years old and it says, Boys will be boys, and boys is marked out, if you remember, and it says, good. And the, the purpose for the article that was written was to convince whoever was reading it that boys are the problem. The reason why we have school shootings is because we have boys, because girls do not participate in school shootings. You see, boys are under attack, as well as men being under attack here's the thing our God is a father and he gives us attributes church that are attributes of fatherhood men he has created you to become a father you may say well Curtis I can't have children well yes you can the apostle Paul writes to Timothy who is not his biological child and he tells him my son in the faith meaning that Paul had grown up to become a church father. And church, we need fathers. We need men who are willing to grow up and be men. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, All fatherhood in heaven and earth has its origin in God. That, God's, that, that fathers have an origin and we originate from God who is a father. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Notice that. 
And I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. John 16, 25, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. An hour is coming, this is Jesus speaking. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. Because see, when Jesus tells us about his Father, here's what he's saying, church. He's saying, I'm going to make you aware. And when you're aware of the attributes of the Heavenly Father, then men we should carry those attributes within each one of us. I say this all the time. My staff can, can repeat this. Uh, if you've been to Bravehearts, you can probably repeat this. But I, I believe that awareness is the first step to responsibility. When, when you were a child, you were not aware of how to, to care for, for things, right? I mean, some children tear their toys up until they're shown, hey, you know, if you keep bashing that on the concrete, you know, I had a little fire truck, and you could flip, you could push a little deal. I, I want to find this thing. It was really cool. You push it forward, had these lights on it, and the lights would go off, and you just set it down on concrete, and it just kind of go everywhere until my buddy got a hold of it, and then for some reason, it no longer went anywhere. You know, he just, bam, bam, let's see what it does when it falls off the cliff, you know, and bam, bam. If you don't take care, but you have to be aware in order to take responsibility for something. When you get the keys to the car at 16 years old, you've got to be aware of how to drive or you will not be responsible with the keys. So I'm making you aware. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'll tell you plainly of the Father. I'm going to start unpacking who our Heavenly Father is because you men are to carry the attributes of our Heavenly Father. Now, by the way, when I say men, I also mean women. Women, there are attributes of the Father that He has given to you as well. As a matter of fact, the term Father in Greek is patria, where we get our word patriotic, but that, that word patria means, means household, parents, if you will. Now, men, you have roles and responsibilities. I talked about some of those last week. Women, you have roles and responsibilities. I mentioned a handful of those. I may go ahead and unpack some of that next week. We may carry this out one more week because I'm trying to get a lot said, as you can tell. So Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will show us plainly concerning the Father. He's going to unpack. He's going to make us aware so that we will become responsible as fathers. Now, he does this because of his grace towards us. Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. This is what it means. As we pursue God, in that effort of pursuing God, He gives us more revelation in who He is and who we're supposed to be. That's His grace, right? Dallas Willard said that. Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. Grace demands behavior. It is free, but it requires great responsibility. You see, what God wants to do, He wants us to understand, recognize, and realize that He has created us for His divine purpose as a family, as men, as women. So, today, this is going to be fun because I'm about to unpack some things that you should be aware of if you are a man in this church today. If you're a boy Pay attention because we want to grow you up here to become a man. But there's 11 things. Now you're going, oh my gosh, we're not going to beat the Baptist for Father's Day lunch today. 
You might. I'm going to blaze through them. Stay with me, all right? I'm also saying, men, I'm going to unpack some of this coming up in Brave Hearts, all right, over the next few weeks. I have to move quickly today, this morning, to make you aware so that hopefully we can become responsible, at least with some of them, if not all of them. But these are attributes that Jesus shows us about his heavenly Father. Things that we learn that, guess what, as men, we should possess these things as fathers as well. So here we go. The first one is this, a burden bearer. You remember Jesus was a burden bearer. He bore the burdens of us. If you will, he bore the sins of us. We follow Jesus because we are disciples of Jesus. We as husbands, as men, as fathers, we should learn to shoulder responsibilities, faithful and dependable. Quitting would never be an option because it is never the heart or father of God. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he knelt down and what did he say? Lord, Father, 2 Timothy, verse 2, 12. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He is willing to shoulder and has shouldered what we could not in going to the cross. But men, we also have a cross. And we are to take it up daily and follow him. Learn to be a burden bearer for you, for your family, for your church, also for the culture that you serve. When someone hurts, sometimes we hurt, but we offer them something greater because, look, I'm going to tell you something. Men, you, most of you have shoulders broader than the women. Not all of you. That's okay. I just think physically we're not made the same, right? And so, so I believe there's, there's, there's some, some symbolism there that we are called to be the greater burden bearer for our families. The other thing, another thing we should have is we should be stabilizers. Like our Father God, men are called to be dependable, immovable, stable, secure, with no shadow of turning, an unshakable rock in a turbulent world because there is no shadow of turning with God. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Men, you are called to be men. You are called to stand firm on the faith of God unwaverable to be stable in a world that is so unstable you know if you create more chaos in this world you need to look inside of yourself because we are called to be stabilizers some of you men because of the way you live your life have have just been in my life so stable so incredibly stable that it's 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 even been an encouragement for me to go further in my walk with Jesus to become more stable. Oh, I used to get caught up in the parking lot meetings too. You know, there's parking lot meetings that happen at church sometimes. Fortunately, our parking lot's so small, they can't have a whole lot of them. <laughs> but, but, you know, they're meeting about, did you like that sermon? I didn't like that sermon. You know, and we, are we going to vote on the pastor today or whatever, you know? I've been, I've been in those, and, and every now and then I'll walk out, and there's three or four people. I used to have a man at Wolford that used to just wait on me in the parking lot, and we'd have to have a meeting, right, the parking lot meeting. Here's the thing. You can get pulled into all kinds of chaos in this world, all kinds of drama. Some of you have wives that live in it. But you are called to be the stabilizer. God is stable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and he is the Father. And that Father's heart should be in every one of us as men. Finally, the third thing is wise. 
wisdom comes from God. All we do, all we have to do is ask. If you remember uh, King Solomon, when he was so young and he was appointed as king, what did he ask for? He asked that he would be wise. And God showed favor upon him. He gave him wisdom how to do life. See, wisdom comes from God. Scripture declares that a house or a family should be built upon wisdom. James 1, 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask to be wise. I can't imagine trying to lead a family without God, because if that were me, <laughs> whew, I don't know what we'd have today. When we go before God and we humble ourselves before God and say, teach us the scripture, teach us your word, Lord, because I want to be wise, not just for me, not for my sake, but for my family's sake. Then we learn to be a provider. Every man, every father should want to provide for his garden. Fathers supply spiritually, emotionally, and materially to all who live under their fatherhood. We are called to provide spiritually. Sometimes that's difficult to do. But God calls us to, to pray for our children, to pray for our families, to lead our children. I, I said last week, I'm taking my kids through a book right now. It's called Everybody Always. It's written by Bob Goff, and, and it's, a, it's a great book, and he uses scriptures. But I, I read a chapter to them every so often, and, and they're really into it. They, they, they like what they hear. It's a, it's a book I, I read a few weeks ago and thought, man, I'm just going to lead the kids through this. But this is just really a powerful book. But the reason I say that is because I'm going to tell you there was a time in my life where um, as I was the provider spiritually, I thought I was supposed to have a worship service with my family every night. I'm talking about every night. I didn't miss. If you came to visit us, no matter what night it was, and you happened to be there at the time for our worship service, just come on. You're going to worship with us, but we're going to worship. I'd pull my guitar out. I'd start singing. The kids would start singing. It was every single night. And we might be in there an hour, we might be two hours. I would read the scriptures, I would discuss, I would preach. It was my congregation. I was the devotional Nazi. And my wife, bless her heart, told on me. She told a man by the name of Miles Sweeney, who wrote the curriculum for Kingdom Families. Some of you have been through Kingdom Families. And, and she, uh, she, she just told. Even when I would go off on on mission trips and be gone i would write a daily devotional that allison was to read to the kids at night i mean you're gonna do it and you're gonna like it and finally miles sat down with me one day and said curse i need to talk to you about something that kind of concerns me i know you want to be the spiritual provider for your house but dude come on give them a break let them breathe man you know i don't even do that and he said how about once twice a week guys just start somewhere Start somewhere. You know, I've slowed down. I've, I've eased up. We don't sing. I don't pull my guitar out every time. No, no more. I mean, I, I just, we're reading a little book right now, right? But we are called to be the spiritual providers, emotionally stable, also providing for our children emotionally and our wives emotionally and materially. Material means that I, I spoke about that last week, that, that we will provide for the needs of our family financially. 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In other words, you need to get to work. 
Sometimes it's doing things we don't want to do, but that's what we have to do in order to be that provider. The fifth one is protector. Now, when I talked about cultivate and keep, I kind of covered the protector area of this. Fathers defend families, friends, their church from every attack of the enemy and culture. In particular, defending gender by lovingly honoring women and children. So when I say protector, you've got to protect your, your gender as well. Men need to be men in their household. What does that look like? It's loving, it's caring, it's compassionate. It's all those things that, that we are called to be because those are the things that our Heavenly Father is. But watch, sometimes it's stern, sometimes it deals with discipline. Men, that's who we are. We protect those things. We protect our children. It's, it's kind of funny here, I, I shared this in the first service, but uh, this past year, the junior high was having a dance, and Bethany was going to the dance. It was a Friday. I was dropping uh, Bethany and Emily off to school, and anyway, Emma started badgering Bethany, saying, there's a little boy going to be at the dance, Daddy, that likes Bethany, that likes Bethany, da 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 And I said, okay, all right, well, what are you going to do? What if he asked her to dance, da 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 And this is Emma talking to me, right? And I'm dropping her off for school, and I said, well, I'm going to break his, break his legs. And he won't be dancing much, right? And so uh, Emma, you know, it's just quiet in the car after I say that. And she goes ahead and gets her trumpet and gets her backpack on and everything else. And she opens the door. There's been a couple of minutes passed by this time. She's thinking. She leans her head in the door before she goes and she said, Dad, really? Really? And I said, no, babe. I said, I'll probably only break one of them. And I get to school. <laughs> Right? But we're called to be protectors, protectors. I'll talk a little more about that here in just a moment, but, but, but that's what we do. We, we protect our children. We protect their genders. We protect them from the serpent entering into their garden as well. The sixth thing is affirmer. We've got to be men who affirm our children, who affirm our wives in what they do. A father transfers value, worth, identity to his children. Fathers reproduce who they are in their children. Think about this. Is who you are worth reproducing? It's a tough question for some of us. But we've got to look at reproducing ourselves and our children in a good way. In a good way. You see, it's not all about our words. It's about what we do. We fathers give our children their sense of significance. And that, and in that, they can make a valuable contribution to the world around them. Learn to call out the champion in your children. Learn to call out the champion in your wives. I love this because years ago, God revealed to me about my wife that one, that Allison was going to be my wife. And, and that was kind of an interesting story altogether. But in that, I could see our ministry coming together. And I'm so glad that she's my wife and I've had the opportunity to encourage her in her worship and who she is because she's a worshiper and she leads with her voice. And, and what, a, what a terrible thing if I didn't affirm her in those things, in her gift sets. The same thing with the children, affirm them. You know, uh, I can think about when Wade was born, I was like, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. Come on, God, you know, pull him through. He had a rough start and he gets pulled through and then he makes it to five or six years old and I've got him out there and I'm showing him how to throw the football and he's wanting to throw it right-handed and I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to throw it left-handed because you're going to play baseball too. And so I'm wearing him out, I'm wearing him out, bam, 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 you know, and he gets where he doesn't even want to go out there with me. And I'm like, get up there by the barn and catch this thing. Watch this. 
you know. I'm about to burn one in there. And he got to where he didn't like it. And I was like, oh, man, what's going on? He starts playing a horn. He loves it. I don't play horns. You know, I'm hoping I get to blow the trumpet when Michael comes around. But other than that, you know, but here's what I learned. He's gifted there. Music is his thing. Affirm that. I had to learn to embrace that. Learn some things myself. Having to grow up in that, learn to be an affirmer. The seventh thing, it it goes right along with it. Learn to be a lifter. Fathers fire up the confidence of their children, encouraging them to be more, to do more than they would ever attempt to do on their own. So I can give you an example, even in my own life with with Emma now. She's fearless and she's a gymnast and all this stuff. She told me the other day she's going to try to double back. I said, get it, girl. Double it up. A little bit risky. That's a big one, right? But, but that's what we do. We lift them up to, to believe they can do more than what they can. I want to see that triple come out one day. Right? We lift up our families. We lift up one another. We lift up others in the church. We are called to be lifters. And in doing so, we lead and we manage. That's my number eight. As men, we are called to be leaders and managers. We lead and we manage our families. As a matter of fact, the scripture said, He must be one who manages his own household well. From Timothy, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? You see, he's given us a a mini for a major. In other words, I've got my family, which is mini church, for the major church, for the body of Christ. And we have to manage here so that we can manage here and manage well. The ninth thing is being a discipler. Now, what word do you see in discipler? Discipline, that's right. Nobody wants to say it. Right, I'm not saying that, goodness. In our culture today, you discipline your child, you're in trouble. Whatever. Culture doesn't own your children, you do. You raise them. God gave them to you right now. I would never say by any means to beat your children or even to strike them out of anger. That's wrong even out of frustration, but to discipline. The scripture said God disciplines those whom he loves. To be a disciple, it has the word discipline. It means there are parameters on being a disciple. Jesus set some pretty stiff parameters. He said, be perfect as I am perfect. Holy cow, how do you do that? But you understand that Jesus couldn't set the standard any lower. I hope you understand because he is perfect. It would have been a terrible thing if he would have said, well, be almost perfect as I'm almost perfect. Who's going to serve a God like that? Our God is perfect. He's holy. He's genuine. He's all those things. And because of that, he sets the bar high for us because he wants us to learn to be a disciple, to stay in the parameters that he's set for each and every one of us. We do the same with our children. As fathers, we are discipling our children to hear their heavenly father. Listen, dealing with attitudes is even more important than dealing with actions. I'd write that down. Dealing with attitudes when you're raising children is far more important than dealing with actions. I know this from being a kid myself. I did a lot of things, I just didn't think them out before I did them. Oh, goodness, I could tell you buildings I climbed, places I wound up, things like that. They were actions. 
But where it became a problem is when I had an attitude. See, and I'm going to tell you, if you'll deal with the attitude at three, it's much easier than dealing with it at 13. It's much, much easier than dealing with it at 23. And as fathers, we're called to deal with that. I, even my wife, if she has to raise her voice in our house towards one of the children, I'm involved. You've just done it. I say this sometimes that my wife doesn't have to have a backbone. I'm glad she does, but I hope to be that. So to make a disciple means that there's going to be some discipline in there. We live in a day and time where discipline is thrown out of our culture, where kids supposedly have more rights than the parents. And, and, and we're, we're living dangerously because now we've raised a society of kids or children who feel they are entitled to because they've never been told no. They've never been disciplined for their, not just their action, but for the reason why they did the action. We are called as fathers to do that, right? We fear God. We respect authority. And in doing so, because we fear God, we know that our children should as well. And sometimes we are the hand of God in their life. He chose us. So we've got to be that. First Samuel chapter 3, you can go read the story for, for, for what it's worth. But, but here's the thing. First, first Samuel 3.13 says this, For I have told him that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. He's talking about Eli here. And if anyone should have known the priest, Eli, preacher's kids is what he had. How about we start doing this? Raise children not that you like to be around, but that others like to be around as well. I've got a, a great aunt, Aunt Nora McGavick. We had a family reunion yesterday. We were with her, and I, I'm so thankful. But my little girl Bethany came over and, and hugged Aunt Nora, and she was saying, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And when she walked away, uh, Aunt Nora said, Curtis, thank you for raising children that say yes she's 90 something years old thank you you know raise kids that others want to be around as well we do that through discipling them in who they are see they it was Hophni and Phinehas who were the children of Eli who were spoiled rotten brats when you go and read it no discipline he should have known better. Number 10, fathers are called to be examples. It is not as much about what I say, but more about what I do that will be reproduced in our children. An alcoholic oftentimes has what? Alcoholic children. It's not about what they say, it's about what they do. A violent father will usually produce a violent son or daughter. A godly father will produce godly offspring. Are our lives worth emulating? We have to ask ourselves that question. As a leader, a lot of times I ask myself this question. Am I worth following? Where will they get? Now, hopefully you don't follow me, but it's like the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I want to point you to your heavenly father. Would our children want to be like us and would we want them to be like us as well? Whether we intend it or not, we are a role model to, to not just our children, but also to others who are around us. Are our lives worth emulating? Fathers are called to be examples. 
And finally, number 11, consistency. Consistency. You can never replace consistency. I mean, so in an item, this isn't in my notes. I'm just going to try to pull this out of somewhere. Right? You have a nucleus. And, and you've got all these things happening around that nucleus, but they don't get outside of the bounds of the atom. In our universe, we have a gravitational pull that keeps things somewhat in order, right? Here's the thing. Children are going to bounce all over the place at times, but we are called to be immovable. The Apostle Paul said he set his face as flint, right? He's, he's going this way. This is what I do. This is what I believe. This is who I am. Man, we are called. The, the, the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul said, you guys better wake up. Matter of fact, he said you're emasculating yourselves. If you were to read it in the Greek, that's what he's saying. You're not being men. And then he says, stand firm, therefore. Stand firm. Be the nucleus. Stand there. Be consistent with who you are. Because the God of of Jesus, the, the Father of Jesus, the Father of us, He never changes. He was the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He calls us to, to be consistent. Sometimes your children are not consistent. They're young. They're learning. They're bouncing all over the place. Even children of the faith, they may be 60 years old, and you're like, where in the world? Because they're new. They're children. We need spiritual fathers in the church to say, hey, let me tell you, you got to be, we need, you're wrong. <laughs> right? We, we, we need that. Be consistent in your walk with Jesus. The Bible warns us not to provoke our children to anger or to frustrate them. All leadership, and especially discipline, it must be consistent. It also must be reasonable. And even if it is unpleasant, it needs to be reasonable. I, I say this a lot. My kids kind of know where their boundaries are today. But if they go outside those, I need to be consistent in how I discipline. And watch, consistent in how I restore. So it's not just about the discipline. When my kids are disciplined, I have the opportunity to pray with them, to, to pray for them. To show them scripture. See, be consistent. Proverbs 22, 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way he or she should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from it. In other words, they'll come back to that nucleus, to that consistency. You may not see it right now. You may have an eight-year-old that you're like, ah! That kid. I just told them not to dive off the diving board. Did they not hear me? <laughs> I think uh, some years ago, I didn't know Emma could swim. We go to the canyon pool for a class party, and it's packed with people, and people say, hey, Curtis, how are you doing? Da -da -da. I'm not watching my kids. I'm visiting with people. And I look, and Emma's on the diving board, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I start pushing my way. I'm on the far end of the pool. I'm, I'm like knocking kids over and people <laughs> over saying, no, Emma, and whoo, off she goes. Oh, my gosh, you know. So, I mean, I'm literally getting ready to go right in the pool, and she pops up. She starts doing this, you know, doggy paddling. <laughs> she gets over the side of the pool. I pull her out and said, Emma, don't you ever do that again. You don't jump off that diving board. You can't swim. And you know what she said? She said, well, Dad, that's the second time I went off. <laughs> you missed the first time. I did great. You know, I'm like, well, okay. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes they're going to bounce all over the place. It's going to see. But we are called men to be stable in our family. 
be who we are. God is a God who is stable. He's consistent. He's forever loving. He's forever giving and forgiving. But we are called to be fathers. Men, you are seed carriers. God loves you. Women, he loves you too. I'll, I'll restore you next week. <laughs> but men, he loves you and he created us in his image with fatherhood characteristics and principles that he wants to download. He wants to make us aware so that we will become responsible fathers with the children that he places in our lives. Amen. There's 11 things there. I hope that you wrote them down. Of course, God has infinite ways and infinite wisdom to continue to download more of himself in each one of us. And one of the ways he does that, one of the ways that he does that is he, he continues, as we ask, to be faithful to pour more and more in us. If you're a, a father out there today and you say, man, I, I've only got two out of those 11. <laughs> and you're saying God has more? It's okay. It's okay. If you say, I got one out of those 11, I, I, I'm, I'm a provider. That's it. We're going to get to go out to eat today because I provide. Other than that, they don't get squat. Hey, if that's you today, it's okay. God wants to start with us. It's a sad thing the church hasn't taught this a whole lot. We don't teach how we should celebrate the fathers in our lives, encourage them to be more children love and honor your parents and parents teach your children to do that very thing be honorable in your life that's a starting point and from there he can begin to make us aware of more and more and more we'll continue to grow the rest of our lives in him that's what he's looking for and that takes a humble spirit. If you need prayer today, just know we're here to pray for you. If you don't need prayer today, just know that we're here to pray for you. And we're going to. Father God, thank you for this congregation. Thank you for fathers. Thank you for men. And Father, I, I just thank you that we are in a church where we can preach it the way it is and teach it the way it is. And Father, we can go out and show a culture who the true father is. Father, in doing so, I know that we bring light to the lost, food to the hungry, and drink to the thirsty by being who you called us to be. Father, help us to be responsible because today we're made aware. In Jesus' name, amen.